Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Coach Josh. Hope you all are doing well. Hope you guys are having a great start to your week on this Monday. This marvelous Monday. It's God-glorifying, magnifying Monday. Hope you all are well. With that being said, for those who watch me for the very first time, my name is Josh Rezzi, also known as Coach Josh, and my goal is to help make sense of your life and to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. And after watching this video, you're like, man, like that guy's vibe. Go ahead and subscribe because I would love to be a coach here online. But as everyone is coming into the live feed, if you've been rocking with me for about 14 years or about 14 minutes that you've been a subscriber of my YouTube channel, I want to say thank you so much for trusting what God has entrusted to me. And I can pray that it continues to be treasure to you. But as everyone's coming in live, let me let you guys know about some things I got going on, like my latest book, Facts Over Feelings, How to Go from Feeling to Fulfilling Your Roles in Life. It's a great book to help you take some time um, to take 50, to take 5, to take 15 minutes or so, or 5 days, to really process your feelings so that you can find the facts behind them so that you can get back to walking in faith in God and fulfilling your purpose. A great book there. Also check out my other book, The Wholeness Journal. If you're looking for a journal to really help you process how you're holding um, the important things of life, this would be a great book for you. Also card game to go with. I also got a card game to go with this book too. Me and the kids played it um, yesterday at, a, uh, at our Bible class. Great, great fun there. So check it out. Also, if you need help with singleness and you want to find the purpose of it or how to maximize it, here's a book that's going to be a great resource for you. If you're looking for a book to help you date well, whether it's to date God, date yourself and become dateable so that you can date the love of your life forever, here's a great book for that for you is that. It also has a ton of questions to either end the wrong relationship or extend the wrong relationship. If you're looking um, to discern better, you want to know whether or not that's a counterfeit or a counterpart, person, place, thing, etc. It's a great book to help you uh, understand how God confirms things, <clears throat> how God shows you his will in your life. If you're struggling with soul ties or strongholds and you want to learn the purpose of freedom in Christ and understand how to untie those soul ties and uproot them, great book there. We have children's books as well. And we also have a book on spiritual warfare. If you want to learn more about how to put on the whole armor of God and how to do spiritual warfare, here's a great book as well. Now I see the questions coming up. All that's available on my website, IamUnplugged.com. Also, you need one-on-one -on -one coaching? I can help you that with that as well. All right, let's get to it. All right, here we go. Now I see the questions. All right, Lenita says, hey, coach. Hope you're well, Lenita. Thank you for joining me. Nyla says, hey, coach. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. I'm on a break for all week. Um, so I need this break from school, so I'm excited um, to give you guys some more time and energy, but most importantly, getting rest. So thank you for asking for all as well. Christopher says, what's up, Josh from London? Thank you for watching, family. Hit this so fast. Happy Easter. Hope you're well. all is well. I'm glad that you was able to join me live. I, I didn't realize that I haven't been live for seven days, man. I don't really go that long without going live. So this week has had to have been full. But I'm, I'm excited to serve you all day. Hey, Beth, I hope you're well. Caligo says, hey, Coach Josh, all the way from Botswana. Thank you for watching from Botswana. Thank you, family. PTL says, hey, Coach. Did it ever get lonely growing up with a different personality, being more re uh, reflective and about growth? Yeah, it was very difficult, man, um, because uh, typically with unique personalities, especially the introverted ones, especially the ones that are highly intuitive, especially those who have a special gift of discernment, discernment and empathy, tend to be older than their peers. 
they tend to be older by years over their peers, right? And so that kind of builds up fears in us because we're not uh, uh, ingratiated with the culture's uh, sauce and, and we're not in, in, uh, uh, in awe of the different attitudes of the, our surroundings, right? And so it was difficult for me, but I realized uh, as I got older, that God was cultivating a uniqueness in me, that, that that I was called for something later, more so than for now. And encourage all those who may be different in a world that's drastically different than them. You have to understand that not all gifts are celebrated now. When I was a kid, um, the musical gifts were celebrated. Um, the arts was celebrated. The humor was celebrated. More the more extroverted, expressive gifts was more celebrated than the introspective, introverted ones. And as I was growing up, I was looking to be celebrated because my giftings wasn't. But if I was to show you my sixth grade yearbook, you will see from sixth grade even to twelfth grade how many people were grateful for my guidance, for for my advice, and and even though that was celebrated individually, it wasn't the most celebrated extrovertedly. It wasn't the most celebrated amongst people. So I felt like, what's the point of guidance and counseling, whatever, whatever. But as I got older and as those things were being nurtured in private, now in public, it's, it has immeasurable value to a lot of more people. And so you have to hone in to how God wired you and be okay with how he wired you. And, and don't allow the social norms and the social standards cause you to lower your standard um, to be more like them when God has called you to be different. So when I was younger, fam, yeah, that really affected me tremendously. But now I encourage a lot of young people that that's it's okay to be that way because God wired you that way for a particular way that he wants to show you. Hope that encouraged you, fam. Golden Chris says, hey, coach, how's it going? All is well. Question is, is it possible to divorce the husband or wife God has confirmed for you to marry? You have to understand that... Um, when it comes to that specific question, uh, uh, anything's possible. You can find fault in a, in the white one that will give quote unquote mental grounds for divorce. I mean, people are so easily easy to quit these days; they'll find any kind of grounds for divorce, right? And so you have to ask yourself, what did that person do? Um, there there are certain things that that people divorce over that they haven't given the divine uh, opportunity to uh, to design a, out of that thing to craft into a better thing, even though it was messy at one point. And so a lot of people, they divorce so quickly now because they have no fight. Uh, they want convenience. Uh, they want uh, perfection. And so a lot of people will divorce the one that God has for them over uh, a deceptive grounds. Or you just have to play, give things time to develop and give t give the divine opportunity to turn things around for the good of the marriage. But but yeah, I mean, is it possible? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there were some people that was called to each other, but they allowed the enemy to creep in. They allowed their free will to be dominated by sin and they lost. And that's what happens too. And sometimes it's a great lesson in that as well. Hope to help. PTL says, also, what was the biggest struggle you had in your 20s and how'd you overcome it? Great question. Uh, all these are great questions. Uh, also, what was the biggest struggle you had in your 20s and how'd you overcome it? The biggest struggle in my 20s, I would say, 
was kind of along the lines of what you were shared earlier. The biggest struggle I had in my 20s was being, uh, for me mentally being okay with being me and how God made me. Uh, one of the biggest lessons I learned in my 20s is not everyone um, who was loyal quote unquote in the beginning as loyal. I learned a big lesson in the difference between faithfulness and loyalty. Um, a lot of people are faithful to you as long as you have something to be fruitful for them, right? People are only as faithful based upon the fruit you give. I learned the difference between that, especially early on in ministry, that not everyone who's faithful is loyal. That the moment that winter comes in and you begin to lose your fruit and you begin to lose your shade, people will start to fade. And that's how it is. And that's what I began to learn was not everybody who comes to coach Josh is willing to stay for Josh Wazzy. And I felt uh, 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 the people pleasingness began to fall off from me when I began to understand that God is my pleasure, that I want to be a pleasure to God. And that if that means being alone, then that's cool. And so one thing that one of the biggest lessons I learned was it's okay to be alone. It's okay to be with just you and God. You don't need anybody. I, you, I want people, but I don't need people. The only person I need is God. And when I began to uh, let my feed be my need in God, then the, the seeds that I plant is whatever it is. As far as like, there's no validation that I get from what I plant, that I just plant because God is just so amazing to me, right? And so that's one of the biggest lessons of how I overcome it was realizing that people are going to be people and realizing that God's the same and that, that God has is endeavoring to make a name out of me for his glory. And, and I began to be subtle in that and realize that my time will come and, and, and that God is the source of my life. And when I began to allow my mind to be renewed on those facts, my brother, nothing could hold me back. You see what I'm saying? But the biggest struggle was people pleasing. The biggest struggle was uh, uh, um, being okay with being how God has wired me. And after that got solid, bro, the 30s have been crazy. The 30s have been amazing. And so that's the biggest thing that I learned in my 20s. Layla says, hey, coach. I just need to know what can I expect on this fast I'm being led to do. I must do this. Well, one of the thing, one of the things that you're going to get from this fast is how familiar you are going to be with God. The more familiar you're going to be with Him, um, the more you're going to be fashioned more into His image. See, fasting is not about getting an answer. Fasting is about being close to the answer. And when you're closer to the answer, all questions will be answered because you know who your real source as far as the answer is. So one of the top things you're going to get from this fast is you're going to be your fellowship with God's going to increase. You're going to become more familiar with him and you're going to become more um, um, focused on what he wants you to follow through on. Another thing that you're going to get from this fast is that you're going to uh, us, uh, just I mean, really, fellowship with God is the most ultimate thing. You're also going to get a better awareness. Not only are your fellowship going to increase, you're going to have greater awareness. You're going to have a better awareness of self, awareness of your surroundings, and awareness of the source, who is God. Another thing that you're going to get from this fast, you're going to begin to see your character become more like him, his, right? You're going to begin to find yourself, not care, that's facts, not fast. You're going to begin to find yourself more like him. You're going to find yourself, yourself, to be more like him. And one thing you're going to learn about fasting is that your time is going to be slower because everything else that was trying to speed your life is going to fall off you and you're going to be able to see the beauty of time and how to take your time and stay in fellowship with God in the meantime hope to help Bethel Green says hey coach how do I deal with anxieties that's affecting my faith great question well anxieties is is uh, a fruit of false anchors 
that usually in an area where there's anxiety, there's a false anchor on a thing that that your anchor has been settled in something that is not strong enough to hold you, right? And it's affecting your faith because that thing has been an anchor for you for so long. The Bible says, "Be anxious for nothing." That's very powerful. You have to understand with anxiety, uh, with that phrase there. God is saying, "You have no right in me to be anxious for anything." If there is anxiety in you, then it tends to show that there's something inside that's not anchored in me. So God is not saying. Um, that anxiety won't rise because that's just life. But anxiety and anxiousness is a fruit of, of your anchors being in things that's less than who God is, right? And so how do you deal with that anxiety is understanding that God is well able and well capable and well stable to keep you stable. So you have to understand if God is saying be anxious for nothing, then I have to take that to the bank. That he doesn't want me to be anxious for anything, right? And so you have to understand that as a fact. The Bible says be anxious for nothing, but he says, I understand you're going to be anxious. He says, I'm telling you on the front end of that verse, be anxious for nothing. But I'm also uh, realistic enough to know that the human being needs processes by which to stabilize them to help them not to be anxious, right? And so he begins, says, but with but with prayer and supplication, with as you pray to me, he says, in order to overcome anxiety, you have to pray to me. You have to talk to me. Come to me first. Most people, when they're anxious or in, in deep roots of anxiety, they go to other outlets. They go to other things to make them cope with the anxiety. But then they'll slope into greater forms of anxiety. So he says, well, don't be anxious, but with prayer and supplication, he says, come to me. But he says, as you pray to me, vent to me, talk to me about what you're facing anxiety wise, about what I told you to have faith in, you have to couple with couple with that thanksgiving. When you pray to God, talk to God, and you petition and you beg and you plead supplication with him, he says, as you're doing that, couple with that thanksgiving. Thanksgiving puts things in perspective. When I begin to look back over my life and see how God has been faithful to my life, then it puts at ease in my life because I know he's been faithful. So as I'm asking God, talking to God, even begging or pleading to God, I am thankful with that that balances out and puts me in the right frame of mind that says that God has been good to me over long periods of time. So I'll know as I go forward, I'll be fine. Right? Do not be anxious about anything, but with prayer and supplication, make your request known to God. He says, talk to me, make your request known. And it says, then the peace of God, what you have to do is settle it into God's peace. In order to be settled in God's peace emotionally, you have to have peace of mind. In order to have peace of mind, you have to see the peace within time. Right now, God's peace is there. Peace comes from perspective. Perspective comes from thanksgiving. Then the peace of God which surpasses. You have to understand you have to settle in God's peace. Because God's peace, ways, thoughts are so higher than ours. That the only thing that we can really rest in is in his peace. Because our minds and our hearts cannot comprehend what God is doing. Or has done. Or can't even fully comprehend the peace that has been given. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will keep your heart and mind by Christ Jesus, right? That breakdown of verse will give you some level of peace with anxiety. Now, when it comes to your faith and what God wants you to operate in, you got to begin to ask what has your greater faith, your greater trust, your greater rest, your greater uh, 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 desire, right? 
Anxiety affects our faith when we lose sight of how God has been faithful to us. So how to deal with your anxieties? I want you to get a sheet of paper right now and I want you to begin to write down how God has been faithful to you today. Then I want you to write down how God has been faithful to you yesterday. How was God faithful to you yesterday? yesterday? Then I want you to write down how God was faithful to you this whole week. Then I want you to write down how God has been faithful to you this whole month. Then I want you to write down how God has been faithful to you this whole year. I want you to write down how God has been faithful to you. You see where I'm going with this. As you begin to write those things out, now you have a glimpse by which you can gaze so that you can be guided back into faith in God. But if you just allow the war of anxiety and war against your, your understanding of God, you're going to be the flesh is going to win. But if you write it on paper, and then you begin to look over every time you're anxious and you begin to do this activity over a period of time as you deal with anxiety, you will begin to see the anxiety fade away and then you'll be walking in faith along your way. Hope to help. Jojo Davis says, what's up, Coach Josh? It's Jojo out of Fort Worth. What's up, family? He said, I've just started talking to a new woman. I'm trying to take things slow and get to know her better. How do I keep my patience up? Well, first you have to ask yourself, what's your fervor? Because whatever is your fervor going to determine your frustrations. So your fervor, fervor means your 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 intent of the, the pursuit, your fervor, the intensity of your pursuit. If your fervor or intensity of your pursuit is to pursue her so that you can be married to satisfy X, Y, or Z, then you're going to be impatient with her. You, your fervor can only be but so strong because your fervor has to be rooted in some level of perspective. And patience and poise, right? Because if you have a strong fervor because you want something to be, you want her to satisfy something that hasn't already been satisfied by Christ, then she won't be satisfactory. She won't be able to satisfy you. So if your patience is revved up because of what, what is revved up inside of you, then my friend, she will be no good to you and you'll be no good to her, right? And so if you met a new woman before you even invest in her even deeply, then you got to ask God, is this even the one? Because if you begin to invest in someone that's not the one, then you're going to end up with the wrong one. So when you go to God, who then brings oneness to you and settles you, then you won't be investing unnecessary time, energy, emotion, or thoughts into the wrong one, and then you get the wrong sum. You get nothing from it, right? And so the best way to gain patience with someone, because God will only grant you grace and patience for the one he has for you, not for someone else. Then you're only going to be running off for of self-patience, self-energy, and self-self-control. And that's not enough to control or guide a situation. And so you have to make sure that you're in the will of God with this woman, or you're going to find yourself impatient with her. If not now, later. So if you're trying to think, take things slow, you got to make sure you got to go. You, did you get a go from God to go with her or you won't be able to be slowed down with her because now you're just operating off of flesh and not from the spirit of God that leads and guides into all truth. So I hope that helped you. You got to go. You got to go to God first to see if this is a go from him before you go with her. Because if you go with her without him, then you're going to find yourself uh, with the with 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 bad outcomes, my friend. Hope to help. As far as getting to know her better, you got to ask her, before I get to know her, do I know him and do I know me? Because if I don't know them two, I won't be able to know, get to know her well. 
Uh, Cataligo says, Coach, how do you keep yourself from backsliding? Great question. I struggle smoking and not doing work. I feel like I'm not productive. Please help. Well, backsliding is the fruit of a failed vision forward. I slide back because obviously I looked back and saw that what was back, the back of me was what's best for me. Um, or I'm backsliding because of the current frustrations and pruning and, and, and corrections that God is putting me through that I, I just want to go back to what was familiar because as you follow God, things fall off for you. As you follow God, things fall off of you. And oftentimes when things fall off us, it'd be stuff that we want to keep. Therefore, things that fell backwards, we go back to try to pick it up. That's why the word of God says, um, uh, uh, don't be like a dog that returns back to his vomit. And what that means is we'll look foolish that after we have thrown up, that we go back to eat up what we have thrown up. Right. And that's what happens when we do oftentimes when God delivers us, because vomiting is the body's process of of releasing things that it doesn't want to receive or that's not receptive of of it as a body the same thing is when god when god cleanses us and we vomit bad things out of us we look foolish when we go back to those things and eat them what was once delicious going in becomes distasteful coming out but because we have an image of what it felt like and what it tastes like going in we want to go back to it, but not knowing that what it once was looking in, that steak as it was going in, that potato going in, that lasagna going in, that burger going in, which was tasty going in, came out distasteful. But because we get so settled in the memory and the taste of a thing, we want to go taste it. But the current set, the current uh, substance of it is not like it was when it went in. That burger we threw up no longer looks like a burger. Those fries we threw up no longer looks like fries. But because the devil has us imagining what it looked like going in, how it felt like going in, how it tastes going in. We want to taste it again. But when we taste it again, we'll find it has lost its taste that it once had. So when we look at sin for what it really is and we see and we look at deliverance, what we've been delivered from for what it really is, then we won't we won't uh, have the desire to divulge into its distastefulness. So you have to keep, the only way you can keep yourself from backsliding is if you allow yourself to be kept. You can't keep if you're not kept because you can't keep at all. We're no good at keeping. God is the only one good at keeping. So if we allow ourselves to be kept by him and, and slowing our lives down and acknowledge him more in our in all of our ways and be able to process our surroundings and begin to sense sin for what it really is and begin to see the demonic uh, deceptive traps that's been set for us to trap us for years and not only for years, but our children's children being trapped, then we will see the downfall or the, the or the or the uh, uh, the evils of backsliding. So now, since I gave you that backdrop, let's go to the second sentence. You say, I struggle with smoking and not doing my work. Now, you got to ask yourself, I, I can easily treat the symptoms of this, but we got to look at the source. Why are you smoking? What void in your life do you think that smoking will fill? Not necessarily smoking will fill it, but why do you smoke or why do you not do your work? You do those different things because you're trying to cope with a false hope. 
So whatever you was once had, your, whatever you have your hope in, if it's not the true hope of God and it's a false hope from the world or false hope from ideologies, then you're going to find yourself going down a deep slope. And as you go down a deep slope, you try to cope with smoking. You try to cope with not doing work because now you're in this 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 mental uh, uh, place of trying to find your place. And because your footing is not settled in the right place, all of a sudden you're just confused. And the enemy knows that the worst thing, I told my students last Wednesday, I said, the most dangerous thing in the world right now is not the resurrected Christ, because that's already been done. He's resurrected. He already defeated the devil in that sense. The greatest threat in the world today is a resurrected life in Christ. And when a person has been resurrected in the greatest level of enlightenment, of, of understanding who they are in Christ and how to live this life, they are the most dangerous. Because if that individual starts getting about their father's business, they're going to actually be used as a tool to destroy the devil's kingdom. You can't destroy the devil's kingdom without anointing. You can't destroy the devil's kingdom without awareness. You can't destroy the kingdom of God without being anchored in God and knowing that all power comes from him. So the devil's ultimate objective is to make sure you're not productive. And he makes sure that you're not productive by finding you, is by placing you mentally in a false hope that can't, stand, can't sustain, <clears throat> can't keep you. And then if, you can't, if you're not kept, you won't keep. So you keep yourself from backsliding by all the stuff I said before. I totally forgot the flow that I followed myself down this path. But I hope that the anointing on this question, this answer, is destroying yokes in you even now. And it's helping you to see the root of why you're producing this fruit. And whatever that root is, you got to forgive your mom, forgive your dad, forgive. Whatever that root is, you know the reason why you smoke. You know the reason why you're not doing your work. You know the reason why you're not productive. If it's laziness, then you got to deal with that root that root cause of laziness. If it's lust, you got to deal with the root cause. If it's a false hope, you got to deal with the root cause. If it's uh, unforgiveness, you got to deal with that root cause. And then whatever that root cause is, look up scriptures that you need to meditate on so that you can start walking out the principles and the patterns within the pages of God's word so that you'll be able to operate on what you've heard from him so that you could be more productive for him. Hope they help. Great questions, y'all. Mm, my kid is, what's up, kiddo? I knew he was going to join. I knew it. Let's see here. Here we go. <clears throat> Recall Blout <clears throat> says, what is your advice to this? I have gotten to know a guy that wants to pursue me. He is awesome. God led, great conversation, attractive, but I don't feel romantically attracted. What should I do? Make sure I didn't say anything else. Uh, what was your greatest failure that you... Oh, okay. okay. <clears throat> Let's read again. What is your advice to this? I have gotten to know a guy that wants to pursue me. He is awesome. God led great conversation attractive, but I don't feel romantic. What should now, when it comes to romantic attraction, you got to make sure that it's not a distraction. What I mean by that is, is that most people's romantic attractions have been uh, uh, devised as a device against them. What I mean by that, when you have had sexual experiences with people, all of a sudden that part 
is is attached to you because now you begin to say, well, um, uh, there's no lust. There's no a hint of lust on him. Now I'm talking about if it's lust centered, right? So if you if your romantic attraction to an individual is more because of lust and more because of comparison and more because of vibes. Because he doesn't have a lustful vibe. Uh, what I mean by lustful, I know that sounds strong, but he doesn't have like this flirtatious vibe about him. He doesn't have this aura about him that is more leaning towards your flesh than what's best, right? Then you have to examine that, right? You have to begin to say, look, what is the real reason why I'm not romantically attracted to him? Is that a, a word to cover up sexually attracted? Is that a word covering because he's not as smooth as the other guys? Is it because that is because of your familiar romantic experiences? He doesn't provide that, right? That's where you got to really process that, right? But if it's just because like you look at him and he's attractive to a degree, but you're just not into him like that, then you just have to say that's going to be a lot of awesome guys that's going to pursue you. But that doesn't mean that's the one guy that God has for you. So you have to you have to define for me romantic attraction. I'm gonna give you about a few seconds. Let's see, I'm gonna scroll down and see if you have any other definitions for romantic attraction. Uh, let me look up a definition real quick to make sure I'm on the same place because y'all y'all know more terms than I do. Um, that might be uh, a romantic attraction versus sexual attraction. Let's see what it says. Sexual attraction, attraction that makes people desire sexual contact or show sexual interest in one another. Romantic attraction, attraction that makes people desire romantic contact or interaction with another person or persons. Uh, let me see romantic attraction by definition. Romantic attraction is a type of attraction in which people desire a romantic relationship with another person. It is not the same thing as sexual attraction, although the two can often occur at the same time. Romantic attraction can also occur without the desire for physical sexual attraction, right? Romantic attraction, attraction that makes people desire attractive connection interaction with other people. Uh, aesthetic attraction occurs when someone appreciates the appreciation of beauty. Okay, okay. I think I got the gist of it. Uh, okay, uh, okay. Uh, she says sexually attractive, and he is there 100% mentioned. Spirit. Gotcha. Now, listen, let me keep it a buck with you. Let me keep it a band with you. A guy can be awesome, great conversation, all that good stuff. Oh, she says, sorry, continuation. Oh, that's beloved Jesus. Okay, anyway. Uh, a person can be. Can be God-led, can be awesome, can have great conversation, and be somewhat attractive. But if you look at them and you're not sexually attracted, but it's not infected by sexual perversion, then that's a version you don't want to dismiss. If there's no perversion, then you got to look at that version and see, is this the type of version that will match me sexually? Because you're going to have to wake up with this person every day. You're going to have to be drawn to this person that way every day. That is not everything, but it's a part of everything. So people say, well, the sexual attraction, that's not everything. No, that's a part of everything, though. It's not everything, but it's a part of everything. And if he is awesome, great conversation, etc., 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 but you're not romantically sexually attractive and you don't see nothing in him that will draw you in that sense and there's no, no perversion in you. Right, but he's there, like you said, a hundred percent mentally and spiritually. Then you gotta say, is he one hundred percent there physically? Because who God has for you is fully for you. Who God has for you is fully for you. That person would be attracted to you mentally. He would be attracted to you uh, emotionally, spiritually, and sexually. And you're right; you can't grow with that. 
You can't grow with that. That's why it's even wrong in a marriage for you not to keep your carriage. It's wrong for you in a marriage to keep your carriage. Your carriage is your vessel. How are you going to be able to tow the fields that God wants you to tow if you're not equal to the one you're connected to? So therefore, I'm not going to let my body go because if I let my body go, how can me and my wife tow? So I have to continuously keep in the back of my mind, am I sustaining mental attractiveness? Am I sustaining spiritual attractiveness? Am I sustaining uh, emotional attractiveness and physical attractiveness? I can't just let my body go and expect my wife to tow my heavy self with the marriage that we've built. So in order for you to grow with someone, you got to make sure they're fully able to you able to flow with that someone and he can be awesome. But if you're not physically attracted to him in a sexual manner and in a, in a romantic manner, then then that person is not the version for you. And that's OK, because a lot of people, they beckon people in with what they sold initially. But then the product begins to sell itself, not sell itself, because I have to continuously be a person that my wife enjoys. Right. Or or I'm going to be the one used to cause a dangerous effect to my marriage. I got to constantly be a snack or she won't attack. <laughs> OK. And so what I'm saying, if he's not a snack, if, if you if he, if he was on a shelf of snacks and he doesn't like a snack to you. Then put him back, but let him know. Don't let him know he's not a snack initially. What I'm saying is, you just got to say, you know what? I, I appreciate your attractiveness to me, but right now, um, I'm going to follow God elsewhere. I don't feel like you're the one for me. Hope they help, because people be always talking about, well, you don't got to be a trap man, fam. Listen, you got to wake up to that person every day. If you can't, you have to be with someone that when you wake up to them, you be late for work sometimes. <laughs> You got to be with a person that will make you late for work. Oh, it ain't going to work. You got to wake up and when you see her, you be like, yo, fam, I'm going to be late 15 minutes. You got to wake up with a person like, yo, your husband, get up out of that, get out of them sheets. And you see them back muscles or you may not like, you might like fat muscles. <laughs> Whatever you like. You may like, you may like them strong back muscles or you might like a little flat. You like, you might like some fat back. You might like some fat on your bones. And that's nothing wrong with that. Right? But how, whatever you like, you got to see that thing get out of bed. And you be like, man, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm calling out to work today. Hope to help. LV says, God bless you, coach. God bless you too, fam. What's the balance between what God has planned for you and what you and what you personally want to pursue out of life? I got to action and initiative, but there's moments where I second guess. I'm make sure you didn't say anything else, LV. Oh, fam. A lot of people struggle with this. So what's the balance between what God has planned for you and what you personally want to pursue out of life? Well, that's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understandings, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So he'll make your path straight. The balance comes from relationship. The balance comes from relationship. If there's no relationship, there's a sinking ship. The more I invest in my relationship with God, the more balanced things become. Everything has to be led, but you're led by what you allow to be fed 
to you. So if I continue to feed my spirit, man, I continue to feed the things of God. I continue to feed myself holistically, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, etc. Then when it comes to what I do, I will be led through and through, right? So you're going to second guess when you don't, when you have to guess. If there's no guessing guidance. You see what I'm saying? And so as you're being guided by God, there's no second guessing because you know that God is the one uh, directing, right? So it's day by day, family. Don't focus so much on the end result. Don't focus so much on what you're going to get from God that you distracted from the guidance of God. So don't distract yourself. Oh my gosh, will I, just, will I mess up God's plan for me, etc., etc. Then you're going to lose focus on what God has for you. Hope to help. Give me one second. I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back, man. I've been fasting for like 20 hours. <laughs> and I felt myself get a little weak. So, got me some little nibble on real quick. So, I think I answered your question. Let me catch my breath because I ran up the stairs. Let me do that first. <laughs> let's see how many questions I got left. And let's see how much strength I have. All right. Michaela says, I am confused about God's leading. I've always heard that God doesn't speak with our emotions. Does that mean that we should let peace be our empire or is it that based off emotion? Let me make sure you didn't say anything else. Uh, how can you tell us? Okay, gotcha. question. <clears throat> well, as a woman, you have to process the, the emotional side of you, right? And... There's a difference between a woman's intuition and a woman's emotion. I can try, I'll trust my wife's intuition 10 out of 10 times. But it's different than her emotions because sometimes emotions are affected by circumstances, surroundings, etc. 
But when it comes down to her intuition, see, there's a special level of intuition I believe God has blessed women to have, right? That's why I love my wife's ability to, to intuitively uh, um, discern, and it helps me as I'm in the in the emptiness of ministry. You see what I'm saying? Or or the various thralls of of doing it all. Her intuition, God utilizes to kind of help me get back into whatever, right? And so there's a difference between God speaking to our your emotions. I don't think he does that because emotions are always determined. Now your emotions would be uh, uh um your emotions would be affected by what God speaks to you. Uh but peace has to be your guide. Peace, peace, peace. You have to create a life of peace so that you can walk in peace, right? And that means just kind of removing anything that's disturbing your peace. Because the devil loves to disturb peace because peace gives perspective. Peace gives you opportunity to piece together different things to see what is the main piece of this whole thing, right? So I hope that help. I'm going to keep going. Uh, beloved of Jesus says, hey, coach, I met a great lady who is a strong Christian, loves the Lord and in the ministry. We love each other. And want to marry, but her ex-husband's still alive. He sent her away. I'm uh sorry. Continuation. He sent her away and doesn't want her back, though she never wanted the divorce. She tried hard not to go through with it, but he didn't care. Is it a sin for us to remarry? That doctrine, I'm not well versed in. Please forgive me for that. Um, that's something I did promise I was going to study. Man, that was months ago. Um, but haven't gotten to it. But fam, I think when it comes, uh, um, hey man, if if they're divorced and God made a way for divorce because he was the hardness of that man's heart, I don't see no sin in remarrying that person. But let me study that scripture some more. Um, but I don't think a gracious God will say, hey, man, you can't marry no more because whatever. I think in that biblical text, it was talking about a woman. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to try to uh, figure out a scripture um, that I don't fully understand. I don't not fully understand, but I haven't fully gave the attention to to fully understand to be able to give you a helping hand in this. But hey, fam, if she divorced, man, do what you got to do. But, um, you know, make sure you know what you're getting into. Make sure she heals and stuff, bro. All that good stuff. Hope to help, man. I just don't want to give you something that I'm not 100% sure on. You're welcome, Layla. Michaela also says, how can you tell that someone or something is pretending to be godly, but really have a cold heart and aren't truly of him? Example, things like a person, a Bible study, or a church. Hey, you, the Bible says, beloved, don't believe every spirit, but test every spirit. You test it. You test it with the best. In order to test to see if something's a counterfeit, you test it against the best. You test a, a counterfeit $100 bill with the best version of the $100 bill, the real one, right? The more you grow in your walk with God, the more you grow in the things of God, the more you grow in Him, the more you'll be able to discern them to see if they are even of Him. You test His temperament. You test to see, is this thing even have the same temperament as God would? Is this person even walking like Jesus would, right? That's the best thing you measure it by. How Christ-like is it? You'll know. That's why I don't go into certain churches and certain things and just be caught up in the, oh, this is amazing. I don't get caught up in the amazing work. I come to see if the, is the word amazing. I allow my spirit to discern everything to see if, if, any, if, if it's anything like the things of God, right? 
So you know when someone is pretending, when at the ending of that pretending, it doesn't match what it should be from the beginning. If it don't match God, then I wouldn't trust it. Hotel, you're so welcome. Vilvet Lewis says, hey coach, I am I am a 23-year-old female serving God's house full-time for the past five years. Question is, will I ever find a spouse or not? The, the goal is not about, my friend, finding or being found. The goal is to know that you have been found. When you know that you're found by God and how easy it was to find you, if it's easy for God to find you, then it's easy for God to find the one to find you in his proper timing. It doesn't matter where you are in life, God can find you. I don't care right now, your husband is on this planet and God has a, a, a timing for you guys to meet. And you don't have to worry about finding as a husband or being found as a wife if you know that God has found you. And if you know that God has found you and is fully invested in you and fully loves you, then you know for a fact that if he can easily find me in the midst of my mess, then he can easily find what's best for me in the midst of all this distress in the world. So you can be serving the church all day as long as you fellowship with God all day and your days are becoming tools for God and you're in purpose. Let me tell you something. You're only going to find your person when you know your purpose. And you're only going to find your purpose when you know yourself as a person. And you won't know who you are as a person until you know God personally. When you know God personally, then you'll be fully able to understand and comprehend how God wired you as a person. And then when you find yourself as a person, then you will be compelled or propelled into your purpose. And as you begin to be begin to develop as a person as you begin to develop in your purpose then you will find your person while doing your purpose it happened for me family my wife came and walked into what I was doing in my purpose if I would have never done my purpose I would have never found my person but because I was in purpose and I was okay with God and I knew that he found me and I knew that as I continue to fellowship with him, then everything else will find me. <clears throat> we focus so much on finding the one than being developed into the one. Because the more I become the one, the more I'm able to attract that someone. So don't worry about where God has you right now. Because if it was like that to find you, it'd be just like that to find them or find him or find whatever else. And God doesn't have to find because nothing is lost in his eyes. There's nothing lost before God. Do you understand that? That there's nothing lost before God. Everything else is as plain as day to him. He knows exactly where the rock is is that's buried up under a volcano. He knows where that little pebble is. He says, I even know all the hairs on your head. Right now, there's a, just, just because God is so detailed, there's a calculation of all the hairs that ever grew on you. God knows the billions of hairs that you've had since you was in your mother's womb. God is saying, if I'm so detailed about follicles, why you don't think that I'm detailed about uh, uh, Francisco? Or Frank. Or whoever it is. God says I don't got to find nothing. Because everything is, is, is evident in my eyes. Even in the most darkest place. I see it as if it's bright light. 
So it makes you trust the light so that you can be exposed, so that you can be right in the light. So when you do meet that right one, y'all both be right for each other. Hope to help. Man, y'all got a lot of questions there. That's what happens when I, when I go a long time without doing um, Q&A. You know what? Let me put this fan on me. That's what's going on. Put this fan on me, man. Rochella. My bad. Not Rochella. <laughs> Rochelle. My bad, Rochelle. Hi, Coach. I am 31 and single and no kids yet. Wanted out of marriage. It's great. My age worries me. How to have peace in this prep season. Doing the work inside, feminine, reading the Bible, going to church, and greetings from, is that Ireland? I think that's, that's not Ireland. What it, let me know what, what country that is. Anyone know what country it is? Is that Ireland? That's not Ireland. That's the, uh, the like crest. I thought it was toothpaste. It was something, stuff. <clears throat> Rochelle says, <clears throat> "Hi, coach." <laughs> I thought I'm like, "Oh, they got a toothpaste emoji." But anyway, that's that's no 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 knocking on your country. I'm not knocking your country. I, let me answer your question. Rochelle says, "Hey, coach, I am 31 and single, and no kids. That's good. That's good. My age worries me. How do I have peace in this prep season? Doing the work inside, being more feminine, reading the Bible, going to church. Well, let me help you out, Rochelle. I didn't get married till I was 33." I didn't get married till I was 33. Age is nothing but a number. Ask uh, John the Baptist's mom who was barren. The Bible says who was called barren. That she was barren so long that she became identified with her barrenness. But the thing about uh, uh, the John the Baptist, I think it was Elizabeth's barrenness, is that she was still a benefit to God even while she was barren. The Bible says that she was faithful to God, serving every day while being barren. If you can't serve God while being barren, then you're not ready to be who you need to be, who God wants you to be. Because if you can't serve God with no sight of you having what you desire, then you're not fit to serve God. So Elizabeth was still serving God while barren. She didn't allow her barrenness to cause her to become upset, right? But the Bible says while the angel was talking to Mary, who was called barren, who was past tense called barren, meaning that when it was God's sufficient time for her to have a child, she removed, he removed that name off of her name. So what I'm saying is continue to be faithful to God. Because God could be holding things back because he has something for you to do that's greater than the common folk. So you're 31, that's fine. Now, that's if you're doing everything beneficially in single, which you have also shared. Now you also have to say, in the meantime, as I'm being prepped, you got to focus on the beauty of preparation. Right now, get very specific about the man you want in your life. Get very specific. I want you to get a sheet of paper right now. I want you to write down all the things you want in a man. Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, and whatever other words you want to put on your list. 
Then I want you to write down who you are in comparison to each of those things you have for him. So if he's a man of God, I want you to measure how much of a woman of God are you. If you want a man that's fit, you got to examine, okay, what kind of woman must I be for that man to be fit? So as you write everything you want down to man, write down who you are in comparison to what you want. And then that would increase the validity and the preciousness of the preparatory season. If you want a man that's six foot five and loves cornbread, mashed potato, you want a manly man and you look at your cooking repertoire and there's nothing there to really be able to fit that man, then you learn how to cook. That doesn't mean he ain't going to be able to cook and marriage. What I'm saying is whatever you want, you got to help that mate. In, in order to match the mate, you have to be the equal match of that mate. If you want a husband, you got to say, I'm the help mate. So you got to ask yourself, can I help this mate? Can I help this mate? Write down the mate you want and ask yourself, do I match the mate? And if I don't match the mate, then I got to clean out of me what will make that mate hate what I bring to the table. So that's good. Met you doing all the work inside. Great. Keep doing that. How to have peace knowing that God has the right timing. God has the right timing for Rochelle. 30s is where it's at. A lot of people that marry in their 20s end up messed up in their 40s. Because about time they get 40, they got teenage kids now. <laughs> and now they're still young and vibrant. They're like, man, they got married so early. Nothing wrong with getting married early. But if you get married early and you don't know your purpose, then how can we truly say that that's your person? So be encouraged. Let me see what country. I think she probably put the country in Oh, y'all encourage each other. Holy Spirit says, I'm done, y'all. I can feel it. And he said, I, I know when he talks. I got to go. Thank y'all so much for watching the video. I pray y'all was blessed by it. Hope y'all got something from it. Uh, I might come back on tonight since I'm off. You're so welcome, Rochelle. The Netherlands. I knew it. I knew it was Netherlands. Thank you so much for that. But I pray y'all was blessed by this. I was good at geography. That's one thing. Back in my day, geography, social studies. Mm, ain't it crazy your favorite subjects directly correlates to who you are? I love geography. I loved, what was the other thing I said? Geography and um, social studies. Stuff like that. Anyway, thank you so much for joining my, my TED Talk, my live Q&A. Hope y'all was blessed by it. Make sure you check out my books, Facts of a Feelings. Late just came out. A great book there to help you process your uh, feelings to find the facts behind them. If you're looking to hold things better, check out this wholeness journal. Uh, if you want to learn how to maximize your signals or find the purpose of it, great book right here. If you're looking for a dating book to help you date God, date yourself and come date up, I'm do a part two to this book as well. But if you want to... Uh, have a ton of questions to either help you end the relationship or extend the right one. Great book here. If you're looking to discern better, to determine if a thing's a counterfeit or counterpart and know how things and know how God confirms things in life, great book here. If you have soul ties or strongholds and you want to learn how to untie them, uproot them, great book here. Also have kids book for third graders to seventh graders. Good book to help kids develop their art form. That's my cartoon characters. Also, if you want to learn how to do spiritual warfare, how to put on the whole armor of God, great book here. All these things and ways for you to give and support what I do, if you feel led to, is on my website, IamUnplugged.com. So if you want to support what I do, 
feel free to. We appreciate generosity in advance. Uh, and we appreciate y'all. I love y'all. Y'all be blessed. I'll see y'all next time. Maybe today. Peace.